Welcome to PR Done and Dunner. I'm your host, Bob Geller. It's a very special episode, our 12th. And as we round out a year of great podcasting, this episode in many ways brings us full circle. We're starting right where we began with our first guest who's returning, analyst relations expert Robin Schaefer, who is joined by German-based analyst relations expert Chris Holscher. And they have important new research to share. So without further ado, and I've been dying to say these words, welcome back to the show, Robin. Yeah, welcome, Chris. I'm, so happy. I'm so happy to be here, Bob. I've missed you, and it's nice to be back <laughs> with your audience. Um, so I think as people know, um, I am a specialist in working with industry analysts. So I uh, help companies when they have those relationships. And I particularly like working with startups because I think that startups have a huge opportunity, huge opportunity to benefit from industry analysts. Absolutely. And Chris, would you say in some ways your experience mirrors Robbins, but from the European side or? Yeah, it's, it's funny that um, when, when I um, got to know uh, Robin, we, of course, we were introductions. So where do you come from? Where, you know, and all that. And we figured out we have pretty much the same kind of journey behind us. Uh, we've both done lots of different things in B2B technology companies at the pretty much or at the intersection between marketing, product development, strategy. Right organization and, and innovation management, and then over time graduated, so to say, into the space of analyst relations, and that on two different continents, and, but, but uh, both then ending up with, with analyst relations, and that's quite, quite funny, I think. Yeah, that, and then I think what's even funnier is that both of us, looking at the entire market and vendors of all sizes, work with analysts, but both of us have a special passion for working with startups. And looking at the very unique opportunity startups have that is really untapped to work with analysts. And we, we, we joined together to say we need research on this. We need to really look at this. Well, it's a great follow-up to our last podcast because when you were on, Robin, you spoke all about uh, the ins and outs of a well-managed analyst relations programs and how to maximize the results of analyst relations, and they were great tips, very, very, very well received. But as I understand it now, you've engaged in a research effort with Chris, with the University of Edinburgh, which in many ways validates uh, to what we discussed and adds additional information. Do you want to say a bit more about uh, the research project? Yeah, Chris, why don't you, it was your brainchild, you know, I joined on. So why don't you uh, explain the research? More than happy to, and please stop me because I can talk about this forever. (laughs) Well, as I said, I've I've been in analyst relations for uh, more than 10 years. And one thing that I heard over and over again from the analyst side is that they really would love to speak more with the real innovators in the markets. So um, that being startups, yet they couldn't really afford to spend the time with with startups in, in many cases or had to deprioritize them because many startups are not even aware of this part of the playing field. Now, and then if they are aware, they may have misconceptions about the entire concept. Right. And if they don't have misconceptions, then they don't really know how to, how to play it and how to, how to engage with analysts so that it's a mutually effective and efficient um, engagement and that, how to actually make sense of it. So, I decided to um, 
well, since I, I decided to focus entirely on startups and bridge that gap, um, I thought, well, I can tell lots of engaging, interesting, impressive anecdotes about startups not engaging with analysts or engaging and the, dif the difference that it makes and all that. And that makes for a fun evening or two. <laughs> and, uh, but startups nowadays, they, they, what they really want is data. They make lots of their decisions based on data. So right. I figured, yes, there is a bit of research out there about analyst relations, but what we really need is data that looks specifically at the startup ecosystem and the, that ecosystem also from the perspective of the analyst houses. So we decided to, to bring up that uh, state of startups with industry analyst survey that looks at this entire playing field from three different angles. One from the, from the startups, of course, and get their understanding and their state of play. Then two from the analyst side. So what do they think about how startups engage, what works, what doesn't, what they need, what could be improved and all that. And then thirdly, also, of course, from the ecosystem perspective, so the accelerators of this world, the, the venture capital firms, because they play a really, really important role for the, for the startups in how they grow and how they you know, go through their first 10 years. And so we, we had three different surveys set up to, to look at the scenario from these three angles. Could I, uh, so what was the connection with you, with Robin, with the university? And please maybe tell us a little bit more about Analyst Observatory, because it was a surprise to me that there's actually um, yeah, some kind uh, of academic support for this. I can take that, Chris, because uh, we were both very aware there are some, you know, uh, associations of analysts, uh, relations people, and there are not a lot of uh, really, I think, any other academic institutions oh. that look at this analyst um, ecosystem, the ecosystem between analysts and uh, startups, particularly, but all companies and um, the ecosystem. So uh, the University of Edinburgh, Edinburgh in their um, business school has actually a program and a analyst observatory that does research and studies the impact of analysts on tech, the tech buying, uh, buying cycle. Interesting. So they've done different research. They sponsor different research and they study and do papers on analysts. So they were a natural partner to reach out to when Chris and I came together and, um, you know, committed to doing this research. Yeah. And the, the particular way why they are so interesting for particular this research is that Professor Neil Pollock, who I've known for quite a while, who, who runs the Analyst Observatory, um, he's actually coming from the background not of marketing or PR, as one might think, but from the background of innovation management. So innovation oh, wow. management being super relevant for technology startups, of course. So he comes from the exact right angle to look at this entire topic. And that's why he was he was quick to come on board with with the research and and thought well that's a great idea well how can I help? And that's great. And is the observatory there in support of some kind of degree program or? Who yeah, they actually have a PhD in industry analyst a PhD program. <laughs> that's amazing. That's wild. They have a, a strong program in innovation where analog, the analyst uh, observatory is wrapped into. So, yeah, they have uh, they, they build that into their programs. Wow. I would imagine there's not too many of those, if there are any others in the world. <laughs> I don't think there's that many. A place to go. 
Yeah. So tell us more about the research. I mean, who was surveyed? Uh, how did it all work? And then, of course, we'll get to the conclusions. But very interested in kind of like the mechanics of this first to understand more about how the research was conducted. Okay. So, Chris, do you want to go through that? Yeah, happy to. So, uh, we had um, first first thoughts about about it, and we um, got onto our first uh, Google Meet or something, and then um, a kind of a mind map exploded into all sorts of directions. What questions we want to ask? You know, who do we want to target? Um, who who can we work with? Are there any contexts that we can use? And and uh, this quickly became quite wild, and it took us a long, long while to actually get down to the two handful of questions that we wanted to ask and focus on um, with the three target audiences that we had. And we made it so that the questionnaires would be um, related to each other. Of course, they had to be slightly different because you know you would need to ask the question right. from a different angle. And not all questions make sense for everyone. So we ended up with slightly different numbers of questions, but they're roughly in the ballpark of... 10 to 15 questions, so relatively compact, because we are also aware that this is a topic that not too many people know about. So we can't make this a two-hour survey that you need to complete. It has to be short and sweet. So and preparing something that concise really took a long I time. Imagine, a lot of things. How do we phrase that question? Was it? Uh, I said I could imagine. Um, so how many did you survey? Uh, we end up with, with uh, around about 500 participants. Was there a fairly good conversion rate between those you asked? <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> Nobody likes surveys, right? Who, who likes to fill out surveys? We uh, have a yeah. lot of work to get and generate those responses because the problem is if you don't know anything, if you're, if you're a startup and you don't know anything about analysts, you're not likely to respond to a request to, you know, to, to fill out a survey. So it took us a lot of work and a lot of outreach and a lot of organizational um, gyrations to get the responses. And what were they sent by you? A really cool thing, though, is with, with all this challenge, you know, startups don't have time for anything. Many startups don't know about the topic, as Robin just said, still get them to do the survey. We ended up with roughly a 50-50 ratio of startups who actually had knowledge about analyst relations and those who didn't know what it was. Which we're and, really happy with. Yeah. Absolutely. And this portion of people not knowing about analyst relations um, was really important for us because it helped us you know, put things into perspective. We don't just want to do this to, to celebrate something. No, no, no. We want to get the entire picture, the 360 degrees. And so that was that was really, really important for us. And I, I'm, I'm delighted that it turned out that way. Was there a consistency in the, the job titles? Was it C-suite? Was it a mix of job titles? Um, Good point. I, I must say I don't, don't quite know. We didn't ask for job titles. We asked for people that were, you know, um, in the leadership team of the company okay. that address these questions, but we actually didn't capture their job title or level in the survey, in the research. Was there a good mix uh, amongst the segments, um, you know, startups versus analysts versus uh, investors or accelerators? What does that 500 um, represent? Of. Kind of. Startups and, and analysts was pretty much, uh, there's almost like 60, 40 or something. Um, 
And we had relatively few um, accelerators and VCs participate. Um, and we hope to change that in the future. However, the, um, the, the, the ones who did participate, they represent, of course, hundreds and thousands of startups. Oh, and they were uh, very engaged and very interested. So, and, and again, some who, yes, who knew about analyst relations and who do practice it and who do help their startups um, take advantage of it in a, in a more or less systematic way. And then others who said, well, I have no idea, but this seems relevant. And I want to at least participate to get hold of the results and learn something from it and then potentially qualify for my audience and, and, and use it. So, um, yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah, I was joking with Robin the last time around that if PR is poorly understood, analysts and analyst relations is even less well understood. <laughs> and I'd like to draw some parallels. I mean, I think PR is also sometimes hard to quantify and understand the value of return. Um, I'd imagine there's similar challenges for analyst relations. You know, it's hard to put a number on it. I'd be interested to know about um, the results of the survey, as the audience, I'm sure, would love to hear. And maybe from the perspective of what were some of like the qualitative results, takeaways, and perhaps some tied to hard numbers that we can all kind of um, wrap our arms around. Yeah, that was really the intent of doing the research at all, was to capture some of those hard numbers, because we know anecdotally that there's a lot of impact. But what really can we show that analyst relations does for startups. So we worked with the university who kept us honest in the way we asked the questions so that we could get statistically valid data. And then we found all kinds of findings. Chris can tell you a couple of them that are in most interesting. Yeah, that would be great to hear. Maybe one that's, that's really stunned us as well is that um, we, we we noticed that the the mean time until a startup gets um, gets mentioned by um, an analyst on one of their publications in in whichever form is around seven years um, into business. However, if startups engage with um, analysts early and practice that strategically and not with the expectation of a transactional uh, relationship, but from the perspective of uh, growing and it, growing their understanding and making bolder decisions faster, they can they can bring that point forward by as much as four years. Wow. Because we found that some some startups got mentioned then after after three years or even earlier than that by the analyst houses, depending on how they engage with them. And in, as you know, I mean, in, in startup world, four years. Is about you know uh, you know you count that in dog years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> lifetime. But is the takeaway then to engage early, strategically, invest what you need to invest, rather than view it as you know spend a few bucks here and see what happens. You know, one thing that was really that I found really interesting about the research is we asked about the the startup's belief about the analysts. Uh, 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 impartiality, knowledge, um, the kind of things that we hear a lot, that analysts are pay for play, they're right. not independent, and that's a common misperception. So it was very interesting is when we compared those answers, we asked them, you know, how, how much they believed in these statements, we saw a direct correlation that said the more 
you work with analysts, the more trustworthy, knowledgeable, and independent you found them, which means that these this perception of people that are unex, inexperienced changes as they actually work and experience the analysts. So this is a strong foundation wow. for getting to know them and getting to experience them so you can benefit from that you know, knowledge, independence, and trustworthiness. Wow, that's 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 a great takeaway, um, and maybe the opposite of what what one might expect. Um, were there other surprises that you uh, you know determined in your research? Anything that jumped out as far well, as one that thing I, I just want—I I know Chris has a lot of them. Uh, one thing that really was interesting to me that we kind of understood and knew, but it, the data proved out is that analysts are much are very interested in learning about startups. While startups do not think analysts are that relevant to their business. Mm. They don't think they're big enough. They don't think they have enough enough of a story. Analysts disagree. They want to know what's going on with the startups and they want that information. Um, They're hungry for it. And one of the reasons we asked their motivations, and actually, Chris, you can talk about their motivations. It's really interesting. Um, yeah, I, I, before I go into that, I wanted to say, um, illustrate that with, um, with, with, think of a timeline. So most startups thought that they would become relevant to the analyst community only once their product is in broad availability, oh. or they would have lots of reference customers and that kind of thing. Whereas the majority of analysts actually told us, no, 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 no. We want to hear from startups much early on in the life cycle. We want to hear from startups in beta stage or before. And that's the majority. And that was like, Robin, keep me honest. I I believe it was like 63% say at beta stage or before. And that is, again, you know, if you think of the the lifespan or timescales in a startup, that can be, Quite a quite a time difference until you get you know lots of reference customers or broad availability and and beta stage or even minimal viable product. So that can make a whole lot of difference for startups. And that how drastic that was that kind of surprised me. If you think about how much startups pivot and change and develop and grow during those early stages, the impact of analysts can be. 10 times as much as opposed to when you're a little bit later, you know, in the, in the journey. So yes, the point is engage early to get the benefit. Interesting. And, 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 and um, engage strategically. Don't, don't think of it as a transactional thing. I pay you money, you give me X. That's not what, how it works. I've, I've heard from a, from, from a company who said, well, we spent so much with Gartner and nothing happened. Well, to me, that's the, the analogy is I've paid this expensive gym membership and look at me, nothing happened. So yeah, well, you have to go to the gym and exercise and do it to, you know, it, it's not enough to to buy the the Adidas um, shoe. You have to practice to play like I don't know Ronaldo or whoever. Yeah, <laughs> it's, exactly. It's you got to do it. You got to yeah. do it. You got to know how to do it, and it's nuance, right? Yeah. So right. And I think you're you're probably not going to say it, but I'll say it for you. One of the big takeaways is use or work with people who understand how this works. Experts such as yourselves or internal team members who have that analytic relations expertise and not leave necessarily with marketing or PR. Um, they don't want to hear about hype. 
They don't want to, you know, they want to really understand the business and the vision, I guess. Oh, uh, one thing that I was uh, alluding to before, when we asked the analysts, why do they want to work with startups? You know, very few of them just are, are um, what's the word, uh, just trying to do it for the goodness of their heart, right? They're doing it to recommend to buyers, right? Analysts have this huge opportunity to recommend startups or mention startups to buyers because an analyst wants to be valuable to that customer, that buyer. And if they only recommend large established companies, they haven't provided value. But if they say, hey, there's this up and coming company that really fits what you're trying to do, Mr. Enterprise Buyer, you might want to look at them. So that raises the analyst's um, value to their to the buyers. So think about what that can do for that startup that's gone up, gotten onto that analyst radar. But do they not care so much about the revenue stream per se, about the uh, you know the business potential? And is there like a separation of church and state, like you have with the media, between the analyst side and the business side? So the analyst should yeah, not necessarily. Yeah, there's a there's a clear uh, separation of state. An analyst is not going to advocate for you unless you've proven that you are a company worthy of mentioning to a buyer. They're not looking at it commercially. They're looking at bringing the buyer value and what they can do to um, bring the buyer some ideas that can help them differentiate their business by perhaps working with this unknown company. See, Bob, that, that's uh, a really important distinction between um, the concept of PR and AR. So PR generally is, if you want to, in, in a nutshell, um, um, PR is generally to paid by the by the vendor to celebrate their product or paid to celebrate their brand, put it in the best light possible. Right. So analysts are paid by the buyer side to unravel the spaghetti of, you know, all that PR that's out there right. and actually make sense of it for the buy-in, tear that apart and, and get to the bottom of it. So if you think about the differences between PR and AR, step one, follow the money. So, um, you know, one is predominantly paid by the, by, by the vendor to celebrate their brand and the other is predominantly paid by the buyer to make sense of all that stuff. Well, or true, but the vendor is also paying the analyst relations firm too, right? That's a very important point. However, they're not paying for the recommendation. They're paying for the time that they can spend with the analyst to use them in their um, continuous product evolvement, right. go-to-market thinking, you know, strategizing, whatever, to make the best possible decisions. And to use the, you know, you have to consider um, an, an analyst, they, they have probably a thousand to two thousand interactions with all sorts of vendors and all sorts of buyers in that specific market space per year, a single analyst. Think of that breadth and depth of insight that this person gets and that intimacy that they're getting with your potential audiences. So getting access to that insight and they have to be impartial because otherwise they can delete their account. They can, you know, it's they're, they're burning their business model if they are not impartial. But you can't so, say they're not they're not biased. Some of them have bias. They have agenda. They have theories. Yes. They have philosophies. They have religion. They have, you know, 
Absolutely, there they will be biased, and you know what? They're biased to to the ones the, to the players that they actually know about. Right, right. Ideally, and the one sure. one interesting point is that one misconception is if you want to get on an analyst radar, be covered by an analyst, be in a publication like a Magic Quadrant people are aware of, or a Cool Vendor Report from Gartner, it doesn't cost you anything. You can get on their radar by briefing them, but that's only a piece of the value you can get. And um, you can start to work with them without big investments. But when you want to get to the point, which we believe in deeply, of getting that insight to help your business, to help your product, to help your your fit, to help your marketing, to help your messaging, and your go-to-market, the analysts are packed with insights for you. They don't give that for free. You have to spend time sure. with them to get all that insight. And that costs money. But getting rated as a positive vendor doesn't cost you anything. Right. So that's right. the misconception that's in the market. Well, it does cost you. It does cost your time, your, your time. energy, your your intelligence, your your engagement, and that and that that shouldn't be oh, underestimated. Right. But that is very, very, very productive. No. Yeah. So I, I don't want to come across as as celebrating this uh, because there will be there will be um, uh, startups in the B two B technology field of, or generally startups who are just not relevant to to the analyst research. Totally. Or you know, and 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 they might might be in the field of play that they don't look at or whatever. Um, or their their end buyers are typically not engaging with analysts or whatever. So yeah. I'm not saying that we're not we, we're not saying this is for everybody. Absolutely yeah. not. But you should what you should absolutely uh, you should absolutely do have it on your radar and understand that there is this part of the playing field and qualify for yourself the relevance that you'll have in it or they will have in your in your future and 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 just know that so that you're not outplayed on a part of the playing field that you don't even know about you have to know your space and yes. your space is going to determine because the plan this will the point is also this is going on whether you know you're you're on the field or not it's you know you cannot you can't just oh, say sure. this doesn't happen for me you know for sure it, well, it might be interesting to also study the influence. How influential are these analysts? I mean, we assume, I think the research, research assumes, I know from working in the space, that they are pretty influential um, as yes. far as B2B tech buying, uh, decision-making, and the media turn to them often. So we know they have influence. Um, yeah, there's been several studies of the influence of analysts on, of, of analysts on enterprise buyers, right? Are these analyst firms influential in your buying decision? I am an enterprise buyer. I need to buy a financial system or I need to buy a security system. I Do you go to analysts to help you make those decisions? And the answer is that the analysts are usually on the top one to three, depending on the survey, yeah. of the most influential aspect of their buying decision. So we know from that data that they're influential. but how do they help startups is what we were looking at. 100%. Yeah. I should know. Let me give you one example, uh, Bob. There was, there was one study, and I'm, I, I can't quote it now because I don't know exactly which one it was, um, but um, the, the, the data was that in the B2C space, 
some 75% of uh, buying decisions are primarily influenced by what buyers find on a company's website right. in the B2C space. Now, in the B2B space, that's also relevant, but there's even 80% said that the primary decision um, influencer um, for, for, their, for those professional buying or technology strategy decisions were the publications of industry analysts. So we're all influenced by the B2C space. So we, we're all things so website is everything. But if you look at the actual data um, in the B2B space, things are quite a bit, there's more than, than the website. And given the nature of how analysts actually work and what their business model forces them to, you know, to, how to work, the, um, the way of working, um, makes them extremely influential, especially, you know, I could go to, to, to an analyst and say, please write this nice thing about me. Please write this great thought leadership paper about me. And they, they will say, well, if they're worth their salt, they will say, no, we don't do that. We don't do PR. That's not our thing. Right. So I can go to them and say, you know, we've been working for 10 years. You know about our strategy. You know about our thinking. So we like to get this point across and want to write this thought leadership paper. Would you help us find the right words to do that? And um, and to 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 speak to the audience in a way that the audience best understands in your biggest you know perception of the market. And they will help you do that. And you you do pay that, but they will probably then if it if it would be um, an analyst published paper, they would probably not even mention your company. Or they would probably not say all the nice things about you that you want them to say, because they will say, well, I get your point. But in order for this to be consistent with my research and my beliefs and my data and everything that I know about this market, I have to write this in a different way. And so that can be quite frustrating for a vendor, mm. of course, because they like, you know, to course. words in their mouths, but you won't get that. And well, well, my advice get. would be, and Robin's advice probably, if, if you run into a house that would do this, that would be pay for play, that would offer these kind of things, our recommendation would be run away. Run away. Well, run we, away. Are, we know there are some like that. I don't know if we have to get specific names, but <laughs> we've been around the block. Um, and it's and it, it, it's it's fair, but it's a different business model. So just be aware of what you really want to buy. Um, that makes sense. I should note that in the research, um, there was some peeves about PR and PR marketing led analyst relations programs. Um, let the record reflect, and the team will get very mad at me if I don't say this. That we practice analyst relations as well. And we try to help our clients do this in a very non-hypey way, very strategic way. We work, you know, we have a seat at the table generally to see level once a startup. And we try to do it in a smart way as well. Um, what, what is coming up? Uh, so I understand this is the first of what will be a biannual series of reports. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, that's what we're thinking. So this is the first um, installation of it. But the feedback has been so so enthusiastic from all the three sides and um, that we are thinking to do to run this on a biannual basis. And also, we want to amend the core set of questions that we have now defined with a special focus set of questions in each of the following reports. So one, I imagine that would be the follow-up question. Uh, sure. One would be, uh, sort of, uh, which houses, which analyst houses have you actually worked with? 
and which of their products and services have you taken advantage of? And how is your value perception specifically of that house, that offering, that startup program that you could tap into? And so we get a feel for um, which analyst houses uh, can, based on data, demonstrate a good perception with the startup community. Of course, we have our own perception and our own experience in what works well and what doesn't work so well and so on. But uh, to get data would be really beneficial, I think. That's great. Um, anything else to say in closing, Chris or Robin? Do you think we've covered it pretty well? No, I wanted to uh, acknowledge um, two companies that work with us uh, to sponsor the survey. For sure. That are both uh, real big names in the analyst relations world. AR Insights, and they have a, a, a product called um, Architect, which is used by many analyst relations uh professionals to manage okay. programs Good. and another company spotlight AR, which has a similar tool and also provides uh, help for companies to execute their analyst relations programs. So they um, both uh, loved our idea and wanted to support us. So we want to thank them. That is awesome. I didn't know there was AR tech. I mean, we have some PR tech, but it's good to know that there's some solutions out there. AR tech, yeah. Um, well, this has been great. Chris and Robin, thank you so much for coming on. It's an exciting area. We're going to stay tuned to this and very eager to see what the next research uh, reveals. Meanwhile, we'll include your information in the show notes. There's a press release, which will include a link to as well. And uh, great. I mean, look forward to staying in touch. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Thank you, Thank you so much. Take care. Bye. Thanks. Take care. Thanks.